If Fog Could Sing Stories by Charlie Price The Still Sad Music of Humanity by Charlie Price Read by Charlie Price Habitually, Martha B. drank coffee in the bistro on Court Street. She seated herself most days of the week at a particular table, table two if it must be known, under the big red awnings, on whose ruffling protuberances the owner's name was splashed, followed by a possessive apostrophe, then an S. It belonged to him, his bistro. This bistro was his. Martha worked by day as a clerk at a soliciting firm, part-time as it was only a little firm, and there wasn't a great deal of administrative paperwork to attend to, case notes to locate, or make copies of, or telephonic duties to be carried out by her secretarial self. So she also did a few shifts here and there, as a receptionist at a swimming pool in town. A very unlikely pair of jobs, but they both were Martha's and she was good at both of them. They both involved desks, and computer monitors, and papers, and politeness. In a way, the clerk job was her land job, the swimming pool job, her aquatic one. The firm, where the solicitors drank cereal coffees with its bookshelves lined with spines, stuffed with legal and legislative tomes, hardly ever opened or read or even cursorily consulted, their very presence was simply authoritative and atmospheric the office's various services of cushioned green and violet, the goldish curtains, the lamps with green heads, and the ornamental bell-pull at the entrance, quaint and constantly in need of dusting. The swimming pool was quite a different matter. Its blue and pallid sterile tones were bright with a delirious spotlessness. The water flickered glassily on the ceiling. It was a world of armbands, foam inflatables, goggles, Swimming trunks, towels, lockers, changing rooms, wetened odour, the scantily clad. Rather than the bespectacled solicitors and the stern, troubled clientele or dutifully outraged representatives she spoke to on the solicitor firm telephone, it was mostly children and their sun-kissed mothers, or buxom single ladies with stretch marks, that she dealt with at the swimming pool. But she was a good communicator a courteous liaison, receiving spokesperson, and she had learnt fairly early on that the rules and ensuring factors for good communication are largely the same across the board, whoever one happens to be communicating with, and whatever the transaction, whatever the purpose of the exchange. In the evenings, Martha played at being a writer. Sometimes she, in fact, became a writer when she was able to write, Others, she sat at her laptop and simply pretended that a nutritious, lengthy manuscript was flowing out of her fingers, like a hemorrhaging bullet wound, typing in the air, without pressing the keys, the page remaining blank, a curious, plaintive laugh occasionally coming out from beneath her nose, or sometimes a crying sound, if she'd been abusing affordable Merlot. She also had an impressive collection of children's books, an empire of big, thin children's books, their glossy pages more pictures than words. She read them obsessively. She liked children's books. She hoped one day she might write a children's book, 
worthy of admittance into the canon. Sometimes Maurice Sendak visited her in hallucination, and he breastfed her with his breasts. Her jobs both involved desks and computers and paper and people, but the garb could not be more different for Martha's two jobs. She wore what she was bound to wear and took no issue with the choice of attire being made for her by each of the respective institutions. In the case of Forsyth and Poole, Inc., the solicitors, the apparel was conservative, office attire, blouse, knee-length frock, high heels. In the case of Swim Kingdom, it was a specific uniform rather than the general code of dress. It was an ugly yellow polo shirt, bearing in red the name and insignia of the company. A small male figure following a seahorse, a leash around the seahorse's neck, which the human figure held in his hands. Little dark shorts were prescribed, beneath the short-sleeved shirt, trainers on the feet. Casual, but neat. Beachy, maritime. Even though she never went near the water. Sometimes, Martha wore one uniform under the other, as far as that were possible. It wasn't very comfortable, but it just made everything simpler. It wasn't at all obvious that she had an extra layer on. Usually, Forsyth came before Swim Kingdom, Morning until just after lunchtime at the solicitors at 3.30 to 6.30 at the swimming pool. So she would wear her yellow polo shirt underneath her blouse, the shorts underneath her frock, and all she had to carry separately was the change of shoes from office pumps to trainers. She could just slip the office attire off in the car and she would be ready to tend reception at the swimming pool. Simple. She had found the chlorine smell invigorating at first, Different, unfamiliar, in an acceptable way, oddly stirring. Now she found it sickly. It got up her nostrils, where it cloyed. Worse was the constant presence of children, young children, toddlers, sometimes babies still being nursed. A mother would sit at the side with her baby and watch her three-year-old swim in the children's pool or in the main pool only as far towards the deeper end as she allowed. An argument would doubtless follow, Children always want to swim further out than their mothers allow them. This is familiar to most people. But it wasn't to Martha. Her own mother used to recline in perfect, gin-addled coma as Martha swam furiously great distances out into the Scarborough Sea. She couldn't care if she never returned. The mother by the swimming pool would keep careful watch. Meanwhile, she would breastfeed her baby. Pools are good places to breastfeed. On one such occasion, Martha peered at a woman, a woman with thick hair who came to the pool regularly. She bared her breast, and the baby accepted, almost blindly, the rose-tipped globe. The woman's left, sucking, drinking with eyes closed, a somnolent pleasure draping the baby, the mother gazing upon the nourishment of her own flesh and blood with poignant delight. The baby's cheeks flushed red, with a contentment perfect and never to be surpassed again. Martha was watching. She saw everything. Glass panels showed everything. The pools behind, the watching lifeguards, the cafe, the seating area. Martha had seen everything through the transparent panels of the office. The impression the scene made was deep. The mother, the baby, their comfort in each other, with each other. Martha woke the next day and saw them, their silhouette, their image. It was printed onto her soul, 
against a great light. Her soul had eyes, her soul saw, and she saw what her soul saw. In between jobs one day, the swimming pool attire waiting uncomfortably under the office attire, the surface clothing awaiting a shamed quick disrobement in the car, Martha was at the bistro on Court Street, table two, under the awnings. Glass panels contained the outside overspill of seating, and awnings sheltered the customers from the elements. But the air was fresh and bracing. Martha liked this feeling of being outside, and yet not quite outside, a grateful beneficiary of both worlds' best, the best of inside and outside. A rain started, but she was protected from it. The rain crackled like a record, chided softly on the awnings with a gentle trill as on a drum, and noises of consternation from people with faulty umbrellas only occasionally disturbed the downpour's perfect hiss. Martha relished it, the grey-blue world, the rain, sipping as infrequently as she dared from an enormous mug of coffee, white, sugared only once, foam dusted with just a little cinnamon. She thought about her life, how she quite liked it. She thought about Peter A. Peter A. was her husband not so long ago. Peter A. was a clown. Thirty-nine and she was divorced. From a clown. Why had she married a clown? With his big red nose and his perfectly pale blank cheeks and his frizzy green hair and his giant mustard breeches and his fat bulbous rubber slippers and his red and white Breton shirt. Thank Christ her work attire was more dignified. The shorts under her frock were chafing. But thank God she wasn't a clown. She was a clerk in a solicitor's firm, a receptionist in a swimming pool, a writer, freelance. She would like to have had a child. A child would have made everything better. But she was infertile. Something wrong with her womb, with her fallopian tubes, with her... Ovulation, something was deeply wrong, but she couldn't remember what. Why was she wearing clothes under her clothes? Why was she betraying the soliciting organisation? Why did she pretend to write books? Why did she drink to unconsciousness so many nights? Why did she have a huge collection of children's storybooks, her odd miniature empire in the house? Why did Maurice Sendak have tits? Why did she always sit at table two in the same bistro every day? There must be others. They might even be half decent. Why was she a clerk and a swimming pool receptionist? What was she doing around swimming pools? What business did she have being in swimming pools, staring through glass at scantily clad children, like a paedophile? The rain made a sound like thoughts. I couldn't even keep a clown, she thought. I couldn't have a clown's babies, and he left me. Her mother pushed a pram into the bistro, and sat in the outside area under the awnings. She parked the pram by table one and sat at it, awaiting the waiter. The mother seemed fatigued. Martha looked at her, a strange look. The mother made a face like an owl, and cupped her left breast. The baby was silent and still among soft swaddling. Martha shifted in a brief movement of discomfort, surreptitiously repositioning her swimming reception polo shirt, which was chafing under her office blouse. Martha closed her eyes and imagined. Her imagination was like a coffee cup. Black coffee, a big deep pool of dark waters. 
and in these dark black waters she fell forward and submerged herself. A few moments later, something rather odd happened. The baby in the pram by the mother at table one awoke and said, My husband Peter was a clown, quite literally. He couldn't stand not being able to conceive. Nothing wrong with his sperm or his count. We tried IVF, even talked about adoption. But it didn't feel right to us, and we didn't stay together in the end. I miss him sometimes. I have two jobs now. I'm a clerk at a solicitor's firm, Forsyth and Poole Incorporated, and I also do a few shifts at Swim Kingdom, just to keep the wolf from the door. In my spare time, I write books. Or I try to. All I ever wanted to be was a writer, really, and a mother. I failed at both. The baby looked down at her baby body. Hang on, she said. Where are my clothes? My work clothes. I wear both my uniforms at the same time. I'm a clerk and a receptionist in a swimming pool. I'm a... I'm a... Where the fuck have they gone? My clothes. The baby's mother didn't seem to notice her baby's sudden monologue. The words didn't exist to her, though it was her baby's mouth, her baby's lips that moved with brand new and impossible fluency. The mother was served a small coffee and drank it gratefully, with a sigh and a trace of flushing pleasure in her cheeks. At table two, Martha B.'s body sat like a stuffed corpse or a figure of ice. Then, very slowly, her mouth opened wide like a bruise, and she scrunched her eyes, and only softly at first, but with sudden haste mounting, she screamed at the top of her lungs. She wailed and screamed and bawled. She screamed and she screamed. Tears streamed. They only made it out of her eyes with difficulty but gradually they wetted her cheeks copiously, unendingly, in copious accumulation, so that her cheeks glistened like ice. The mother at table one finished her coffee and left the bistro, rolling the pram away. The baby said something about Peter, her ex-husband, getting a restraining order against her, because he was scared of her. As the mother, in a walking sleep, it seemed, disappeared around the last corner of Court Street, from the table where she sat, in trance-like solidification, hypnotised stillness, it sounded like Martha B. cried out the word, Mama! And then, Help me! But no one seemed to hear. <laughs>